1: Sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time.
0: Hello, and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield, and I'll be your waiter this evening. And cooking up some lip smacking punditry in the punditry kitchen, the man wearing the chef's hat. Is Tony Kerr.
1: Hello. I don't know what to say to that, Really? Probably the most elevated kind of position I've ever had in your silly little intros.
0: Yeah, that's not my finest work, is it? It's been, it's been a long week, to be honest, Tane. Did a good one, though? Oh, not too bad, yeah. How's it going with you? Uh, yeah, good. Did you have a good weekend?
1: Yes, yeah.
0: I didn't see you very much. I was meant to see you on, uh, <laughs> yeah. on Saturday night, we'd arranged. We'd arrange you were gonna come round and play a bit of table tennis with us. There was you? a bit of
1: confusion around that. Though. Was there a bit of confusion well, yeah, around that? When it. you initially suggested that, I thought you meant sort of late afternoon, four thirty, five o'clock. Uh but then it suddenly turned into a kind of dinner occasion. Well, no, it wasn't a dinner occasion. Well, like, it was you know, like a dinner, like a, a you know, an evening an evening do. Well, <laughs> early evening,
0: seven, seven thirty is what I was saying, but it was just funny because, you know, we'd arranged this earlier in the week and then I texted you on Saturday and said, you still coming round for table tennis? And you replied and said, what time? <laughs> and I said 7.30 and you just didn't reply. You said That's nothing really not. from me and you didn't turn up. And then the following day, you messaged me and said, oh, sorry, sorry I didn't make it last night. I got caught up in a birthday party.
1: <laughs> what that is does what that happened. mean? That's Your use happened. of
0: language is amazing. I got caught up in a birthday party. I was picturing, like... You know like those uh, like a punch up in the B <laughs> It's like a floating cloud of That's fists got pulled in. And, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was it. Except that was... this was a floating cloud of uh, birthday cakes and keg stands. <laughs> and you just got sucked into it. You're walking down the street Don't to my get house. Too close.
1: Yeah. Hands in your pockets whistling. Whoa! you just got taken off to this birthday party. It's much like that, to be fair. When I had to work on Saturday afternoon, uh, which culminated in me going to the rugby. Uh, and then culminated with me then going. Well, I don't think we culminate actually at all. That's the completely wrong word. It progressed on to me going to the rugby, then watching the football. Yeah, then this birthday party. And all the time ignoring my. I've <laughs> <taste. laughs> I I I I I got really bad. I've got really bad. You also, uh, one thing that you
0: say a lot, I get, which I've noticed, is you use the expression ended up. You always say, oh, I ended up. Here I ended up going to. We ended up back at the Randy Paddle or some other <laughs> establishment of a certain reputation. Uh, yeah,
1: sorry. It was Randy, turn, okay, well, people really who <laughs> don't to- know though, just, the Randy Paddle is a bar in Gens, which I haven't been to for many years. It's not quite as dodgy as it? it sounds like some sort of I don't know sex club or something. Turn into a stra- <laughs> Exactly. Good point. For people who don't know, good point. Actually, you actually, should probably
0: clarify that. Yeah,
1: I believe it was named after uh, a local chap called Paddy Randall. He, he kind of owned a brewery. Owned, well, he used to own a brewery, I think. Here, that makes more sense. I thought uh, his name was Pandy Raddle, <laughs> and then uh, for some reason decided to name one of the worst parts of Guernsey <laughs> after himself, or someone did anyway. Just at some point, having a conversation with you on Sunday. Yeah, it turned into a bit of a hectic night last night. I ended up at
0: the Randy Paddle. I, lo- I just I love the expression "ended up" as though you have no say well, in it. It absolves me of all responsibility. <laughs> exactly,
1: yeah, it yeah. just. Taking off the responsibility <laughs> like it's a scarf—that's the aim. <laughs> that is the aim. Uh, yeah. Anyway, apologies about
0: that. But you know, me and you—we go way back. Time we do a podcast together, and you can't <laughs> even be bothered to reply to my messages.
1: No, I didn't. I know oh, because I was getting messages all left, right, and centre <laughs> from some other people as well. I felt under pressure. Tweeted out by listeners. Uh, no, I, just, I felt. Yeah, I felt kind of. I felt under. Yeah, I didn't know what to do. I panicked. <laughs> Oh, uh, you say this now, but actually, you know, if we cut to Saturday
0: night, you're just there standing on a table, wee, as your phone's no. buzzing in your pocket.
1: <laughs> you coming, mate? You are going to come down? No, no it was the, that was the root of the, the whole misunderstanding, was the, the time confusion. So, yeah, probably about like that. Again, yeah, you're calling it a misunderstanding. <laughs> <laughs> actually, what it was, it was just
0: you ignoring my text and my not man. coming. But there you go, we'll soldier it, on. We'll made, soldier made on today. Tonight. We will soldier on. Uh, and hopefully it'll be uh, not too tense an atmosphere in here <laughs> as we discuss everything that's been happening in the cricketing world. There's been a test match in Antigua, a pretty good one as well. Uh, so we'll be talking about that. I've got a couple of side notes for you as well, Tony. you remember the side notes? I do remember that, actually. Remember we used to do this item called the side notes?
1: Have we set a pretty good test match? I guess we're in, well, at the end, I guess.
0: Well, let's we'll hold that, that in thought Think yeah. as well. well. We'll get into that in a second. But yeah, there's a lot coming up on today's show. It's all Very, very exciting. I'm excited. Yeah, I couldn't sleep last night. I was so excited about doing this episode. How many hours of sleep do you get a night on average?
1: Seven, I suppose. Okay,
0: that's not enough, is it? I think it is. Yeah, it's probably within the within the window, isn't it? Between seven and nine. I'm looking for nine minimum. Nine is a lot, though. I, I very rarely get it, but...
1: Nine is a lot. Nine is a lot. Nine is a lot. Uh... <laughs> yeah. I think we've established <laughs> yeah. that nine is a lot. I think you want at least one half of the, the clock face, don't you? That's the minimum. What, six? Six, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. A, yeah. If you're below one half, then you're... you're yeah, or you're six bit hours is probably a, yeah. an
0: easier way of saying it. Yeah, if you get less than <laughs> six hours, you're struggling. But, yeah, I'm... I'm I'm a where's, where's that question come I from? I don't know. I'm just bored. <laughs> England. This is the part of the show where we talk about England now. Tone, you listening? hmm England are in the Caribbean. Uh, they are one test match into a three-test series against the West Indies. By the time people are listening to this, the second test in Grenada will have started. We are recording this on Monday night. That's the eve of that game and a few days after the end of the first test, which was in Antigua, and that finished as a draw. West Indies won the toss and put England into bat. Uh, They were in trouble at 34 for three, but recovered well with Ian Bell producing a a brilliant 100, 143, half centuries as well for Joe Root and Ben Stokes. They were eventually all out for 399. Uh, West Indies, in response, wobbled a bit at the beginning when they were 99 for four, but Jermaine Blackwood's maiden test match century Meant um, that they got up to something a bit more respectable, 295, but still uh, a deficit of 104. England were always looking for a declaration. It came when they had 333 after 100 from Gary Balance, which set West Indies 438. Uh, they were two wickets down at the end of the fourth day, so England needed eight on the final day. Uh, they got off to a reasonably good start. They had them six down before tea. Uh, but Dinesh Ramdin, with a painstaking 57, and Jason Holder, an unbeaten 103, his first Test match century, his first first-class century, and then Kemal Roach at the end, 15 not out from 55 balls, uh, meant that the West Indies survived. They were seven wickets down at the close. Uh, so, yeah, it finished as a draw. Well, I thought this was a pretty entertaining Test match turn. I'm getting the impression that perhaps you don't agree. I mean, I think if you didn't see much of the game... You know, it might be easy to to sort of look at the scorecard and assume that it was just a, a relatively dull draw on a flat pitch. Uh, but at times it was pretty gripping, I thought. And yeah, that final day with England pushing for victory, it looked like they were going to do it. And West Indies, you know, digging in. That was pretty absorbing Test match cricket, I thought.
1: Yeah, I think the issue was that I didn't watch or didn't get to see much of the final day. <laughs> <laughs> right, OK. Uh, you you, watched, you, uh, you did coffee, watch most I'd of say. the
0: first four days. Didn't yeah. You?
1: No, no, I didn't say it was, it, was, it was an entertaining enough test. It was good to have test cricket back, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah,
0: I wouldn't say it was one of the, the best test matches of the past no. 25 years or anything, but you know, I thought it was a pretty Steady, good yeah. game. It
1: didn't go off without incident. It was yeah, pretty well balanced, wasn't it? Uh, the Anderson achievement, which, which is you know, nice. The what? The what achievement? Anderson. What did he do? I don't know. I don't know, no, it was, it was, it, it was all right. I mean, I, I, it's basically my test match started with me getting in from work, switching on as Jonathan Trott was walking on. <laughs> uh, so that felt kind of reassuring, really. I uh, quite enjoyed that. The first day, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was pretty sludgy cricket, wasn't it? Yeah, it was attritional. Yeah. But, which in some ways is
0: good old-fashioned test cricket, but yeah. it, it, it wasn't the best pitch of all time, it has to be said, but it was better than it was in the caribbean 6 years ago there was a li- at least a little bit in it and actually not so much the pitch but the overhead conditions the ball did swing for some sustained periods of time through the game and jerome taylor in particular was was bowling some some classic outswingers uh, that you know just meant that there was always something in it for the bowling side
1: yeah i mean, but yeah yeah you know, as you say going to that that final day uh, i mean england didn't well possibly didn't leave themselves quite enough time uh, it was a bit of a timid declaration wasn't it and but what Jason Holder did was quite remarkable Well, that's
0: interesting you think it was a timid declaration I mean they set them 438 and they ended up bowling the best part of 130 overs so you'd think you know if you can't bowl the team out in 130 overs maybe you're not going to do it and West Indies actually ended up scoring 350 if Cook had declared earlier with less runs on the board might have actually got quite interesting I do get frustrated with the you know, Bob Willis was saying, oh, set him 350, that's plenty. But actually, in this day and age, particularly if you're leaving them, like, five sessions, why wouldn't they get to the target? You know, it, it's it's certainly within the realms of possibility.
1: Yeah, I, I think, though, yes, they got to 350, but it was clearly a complete rearguard action, you know. So, I guess it's a, a carrot, you know, you want to dangle something, don't
0: you? Well, yeah, and towards the end, Holder was hitting boundaries because there were no fielders out in the deep at all. So, yeah... It, it's slightly misleading that, but even so, you know I, I don't think I think one of these days a team is going to get 500 to win a test match, and you could say well yeah if a team gets 500 then you can't blame the captain, but I don't but think you should blame, blame the, captain the captain for setting them 438. I think that's a very reasonable declaration, particularly when the series is level at the moment and there's two more games to play. If it was the final test and it was still level, or if England were behind in the series, then yeah sure, um, I think you criticise Cook, but. For that, I, I don't think so. I, mean, I think he left them plenty of time. 130 overs should be more than enough time. It just, it just didn't happen. But, yeah, so I thought it was a pretty good game. And, actually, it was a, it was a really good atmosphere. There were, there were great crowds at the Sir Vivian Richards Stadium. A record attendance for a Test match in Antigua over the five days. And it did produce, yeah, as I say, a, a, a very decent atmosphere. It, it's just a shame. that That stadium is a shame because even though they had quite a lot of people in, the stadium still looks empty. Because you'd have to get, I think it's something like you'd have to get 12% of the population of Antigua into the ground to fill it. Which is just, I mean, it's just the the biggest white elephant, you know. It's in the middle of nowhere in Antigua. The old um, recreation ground is right in the centre of town. They built this ground in the middle of nowhere. It was done, of course, for the 2007 World Cup uh, as stadiums were built or rebuilt all over the Caribbean. And it's the same in Barbados. They tore down the old... Kensington Oval, which was so full of character and have rebuilt it with this sort of plastic bowl. It's just kind of soulless, isn't it? And the one in Antigua's pretty soulless too. Yeah. I mean, it's quite... An- but, the, you know, the people did come for this game, which I thought was really encouraging because I wasn't expecting
1: that. Well, it was it national holiday, wasn't it, on the first day? I think mean, half, a half, national half day, which is great. Yeah, why don't we go? Yeah, I that? feel quite cheated all round, really, because, you know, we <laughs> live on an island that's not that much smaller than... Antigua 60,000
0: versus 80,000
1: yeah uh, and we don't get test cricket S- bunch of islands there's not enough <laughs> people to get a bloody test team out it's a joke uh, it'll be, it'll be amazing. can you imagine having a test match in Guernsey it'd be awesome but that is what's so extraordinary
0: about West Indies cricket in a lot of ways I mean yes there are Lots more islands than there are in the Channel Islands, and some of them have much bigger populations than Antigua. But even so, it's, it's a small place. And yeah, Antigua is, is not a large island by any stretch of the imagination, nor is Grenada and nor is Barbados. Yet yeah, they are staging test match cricket. So when people sort of bemoan the decline of West Indies cricket, which is a tragedy at the same time, arguably it was more that they were overachieving for a really long time. In the first place,
1: yeah. There was one stage on the perhaps on the first afternoon before, yeah, you know, perhaps a lot few of the locals got in, uh, where they panned around the crowd and it was, yeah, you know, the crowd appeared, at least the sections that they showed on camera, certainly the English fans, to have an average age of about seventy, and they all looked, they all looked like they were about to drop off their chairs. To be honest, <laughs> uh, it didn't. It wasn't the most exuberant <laughs> travelling support I've ever seen. Well, that is possibly true. Yeah, I would agree with that.
0: Yeah, I think it was more just that I was surprised that there was anyone there at all, or at least any locals there at all. Because, yeah, remembering back to that series six years ago, there was just nobody there. Um, so, you know, it was it was better than that, at least. But it, it it's really galling what's happened to those stadiums and the fact that, yeah, the recreation ground has been uh, cast aside and they've built this brand new stadium that is far too big and isn't used for anything. I mean, it was all built for the 2007 World Cup. It's staged, you know, six or seven ODIs and then that's it. I mean, the, the ICC have worked out their programme for the next 10 years and there are no events in the West Indies. So it's going to be at least the mid-2020s before that stadium might be relevant
1: again. By which time it's probably be quite decrepit. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah.
0: It is ludicrous and you do wonder um, exactly the circumstances led up to it but anyway yeah it was a it was a very decent atmosphere i thought and an excellent test match england have still never won a test in antigua uh, which is fairly remarkable and they've they've now gone seven tests in the caribbean without a win their last victory in the caribbean came in barbados in 2004 which was the game where matthew Hogarth took a hat-trick graham thorpe scored 100 you remember that game time don't you i do yeah So, yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll be disappointed not to have completed the win on the final day when the sixth wicket fell before tea with the new ball due. I think the new ball was due in the next over. At that stage, it, it looked pretty inevitable that they'd wrap up the win. They didn't do it, so they'll definitely be disappointed. But how disappointed should they be? Was this a case of England failing to execute or should we really just be giving the West Indies credit for hanging on at the end?
1: Yeah I think we should give the West Indies a bit of credit. I mean there was quite a lot of discontent wasn't there when the teams were named yeah once again England went with the kind of predictable safe approach perhaps wrong approach to you know the team sheet you know perhaps further mismanagement of resources in terms of you know the way treadwell was ignored earlier in the year and then plays the test here I mean it doesn't really make much sense.
0: Yes I well I think you know we we can talk about Treadwell he actually did pretty well in the first Yeah, I mean, he, had four he, weekends, did a, he had a decent game all round. Uh, but it's just in, on the final day, again, it's harsh to compare people to Graham Swan all the time, but England would have won that test match had they had Graham Swan. They don't have Graham Swan anymore, so you've got to live with it. But and they wait have Treadwell for the second test, although he's injured. Well, yeah, but I think they possibly would have dropped him anyway. Like, I've got <laughs> a lot of time for James Treadwell. He's a very handy ODI spinner. I think he's un- an underrated ODI spinner because he can just sort of tie up and end. You know, he gets batsmen out when they start to go after him. But in Test cricket, right? Yeah, he did get four wickets in the first innings. But against good batsmen, if they are just looking to keep him out, he doesn't really. He bowls quite slowly, doesn't he? And he doesn't ha- put many revs on the ball. I don't know what's happened to the rev no, counter in Rev Monitor. They
1: didn't make it didn't seem to work. Never seen again. Didn't actually reflect what's happening. It was always in the red. I didn't understand it. <laughs> but uh,
0: if they did still have the rev counter, he'd be in green a lot of the time. <laughs> Uh, because, yeah, he doesn't put many on the ball, and it's not quite enough to, to winkle batsmen out. It's a bit of a shame, and you do think maybe they, they could have played Rashid. It would have been a risk, because by all accounts, he was bowling pies in St Kitts. But picking Treadwell was a, a fairly cautious decision, wasn't it? And there's been a bit too much caution in yeah, I mean now, of late. Yeah, I now,
1: well, I guess, yeah, I can probably see the argument both ways. Yeah, you, know, you might say now is the time for caution, because... We're probably going to get thumped by the Aussies in the summer. Or you know, at the very least, we're up against it. So maybe be a bit cautious. But then you know, the opposite argument, which is probably slightly truer, is throw caution to the tide or whatever. To the breeze. Yeah. Uh, let caution blow away and just go for it.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. And particularly in this series when you think, not that England have got nothing to lose, because as West Endies are proved in this game, they are a very decent side and England shouldn't underestimate them. But you think, well, if if there's ever going to be a game where you could be bold and pick the leg spinner and give Rashid a go, it would be this one. Um, but, but they didn't do it. And I, I doubt they'll play him in the rest of the series, even though Treadle is injured because Moen Ali is back. Although I don't know how they're going to fit him into the side. Do they bat Joss Butler at 8 I'm not sure they want to do that. But anyway, so that, that'll that be interesting, will not it? It'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I think we should give West Indies a lot of credit and absolutely remarkable innings from Jason Holder, who, yeah, when he came in, it seemed like the game was was gone. Um, And he posted 100 and actually a very good 100. His inning strike rate was 70, which when you consider it was a rear guard action, was not bad at all. And yeah, he looks like he's going to be a proper all-rounder. I mean, in some respects, his batting is more exciting than his bowling because he's not yet looking like someone who can tear through a test lineup. But if he can sort of pitch the ball up a bit more, he will be a handful because he's got all the attributes and he's got the height, he's got the pace. So, yeah, West Indies have, have got a proper cricketer there. Very impressive young man, as Jonathan Agnew would say. Yeah, it was, it was a great knock. It was-, it was a great knock, but it wasn't just him because, yeah, he was terrific, but Dinesh Ramdin batted 141 balls as well, which is only eight less than Holder batted. Uh, and Kemar Roach came in and survived 18 overs, survived 75 minutes. Uh, yeah, he was coming in at seven down. You know, that, that was a pretty impressive effort. I mean, he, he reminds me a lot of Matthew Hoggard, in his batting You know, He's, he's not going to score any runs, but he will frustrate the life out of you with that forward defence. Uh, and that's something that Nasser Hussain said on commentary, but I'd already thought of it. <laughs> I, uh, I said it to my brother-in-law.
1: You can, you can ring him up and ask him if you want to. Yeah, I'll check that. If you, you want to check. Check you're working.
0: Um, but yeah, so a really, a really fine effort from West Indies. I think a lot of people would have expected them to fold, like hot laundry, uh, going into that final day. And to be fair, they had a decent go at folding. Devin Smith and Jermaine Blackwood <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: uh, gave their wickets away in tremendous fashion. But
1: Well, I went down last week and had my first net of the summer. Did you? Yeah. No, you, didn't so the, yeah. Didn't, oh, you didn't invite me. Uh, I can't remember what you were doing. I can't remember. But yeah. I was going to say, yeah. Was I don't an, know what, another yeah. occasion where you forgot
0: to text the, the, me. The, I think you
1: are on the group, though, aren't you? The WhatsApp group? No. Kobe? No, possibly. I, I might have left might it have left last that. summer. Uh, but there was, some, there was some chat down at the net. Uh, You know, some people talk about the odds of the whitewash, the England whitewash. So, you know, that's the kind of feeling down there. It's obviously not going to happen because it finishes a draw. And yeah,
0: I think possibly people underestimated the West Indies slightly or possibly overestimated England a bit. I mean, should they be a little bit concerned about their bowling attack? Because yeah, West Indies did really well and the pitch was flat, but the bowling attack did seem to be missing some teeth, didn't it? Although they did pretty well for much of the day you wouldn't necessarily say they bowled badly. They don't seem to have much in the way of penetration.
1: No, there wasn't a huge amount of spark, was there, really? Uh, and, you yeah. when you look at a scorecard, it's when you see, like, all of the... Most of the players are getting double figures. I mean, there were a few, obviously, in the England innings, uh, there were a few failures. But as the game went on, you know, the, the the two second innings, I think there was only only two batsmen didn't make double figures. And in the
0: West Sundays innings, it was only
1: one. Yeah, and, uh, you, you know... When the bowling is invigorated and punchy, you know you're you're kind of seeing wickets going clutches, aren't you? Maybe a little bit of, but you didn't. There was none of that. It was just kind of you had to grind. They were kind of grinding the wickets out when they. Uh, Yeah, and a lot of that was the pitch, to be fair. Yeah, exactly. You can't be too harsh.
0: Yeah, and the swing that I talked about earlier did kind of disappear on the last
1: couple of days. What did you think of the uh, the Jordan catch? If you you didn't see it, yeah, kind of. Genu- I don't think I've ever seen anyone look happier. Uh, <laughs> even though he contributed very well, I mean he did find the edge, so yeah, fair enough. But it, it was a pretty spectacular catch. Some people called it the best ever, yeah, well, and who, I, don't, I didn't believe that. I didn't agree with them. Who was
0: it? Was it uh, Darren Bravo? Wasn't it? He he goes quite hard at the ball, yeah. um, and
1: Jordan's standing at quite a wide first slip, and just I mean, he just sticks the hand out. Which yes, that it was it was remarkable reflexes. Did fantastic well to hold on to it. Well, Agnew but it's, not, it's called just it, not the best catch ever.
0: Yeah, which is what Agnew described yeah. it as, the best catch ever. But Well, no, it isn't the best catch No,
1: ever. I mean, it would, I don't think it would even get in my top 30.
0: Well, no, maybe not. I mean, it's, it's brilliant reflexes, no doubt, which is, kind of is what catching yeah. is. But yeah, I saw someone say if he hadn't been standing in the wrong place, <laughs> he wouldn't have needed to see yeah. that. Which is possibly true, it doesn't necessarily <laughs> reduce the brilliance of the catch. Yeah, there's also an element of given the moment, given the man about some of about you know what's the best catch ever, isn't there? Because you know for me like the Paul Collingwood catch off Matthew Hayden in 2005 is never going to be topped as the best catch ever, just because given the moment, given the man, because of the fact that you know it was all in the build up to the Ashes and this is a New England team that is going to give Australia a run for their money and it was Matthew Hayden, who was one of the best players in the world at the time, and so that all adds to it. And again, probably the second best catch I've ever seen is. Andrew Strauss off Gilchrist and the Ashes, because again, you know, just the circumstances is like added to the moment. Whereas this, it is what we have to admit is a reasonably low key test match and not necessarily a crucial moment in the test. Yeah, match. no,
1: I completely agree. And actually, yeah, it's kind of just taking out the circumstances of it and of the moment and the man. Uh, you know, with that kind of catch, it is just a case of stick a pour out and if it sticks, it sticks. I think the more impressive catches are the ones where you do not necessarily got buckets of time to think about it, even though, you know, those are impressive because I would never, you know, yeah, if like the ball's goes out, if there's yeah. more than a couple of seconds to think about it, I'm not hatching it, that's for me. But yeah, ones where, yeah, you, you know, it's an important situation and perhaps... Yeah. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still
0: lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right?
1: Gets there, grabs it, holds on, and then doesn't bounce on their hand when they hit the ground. Mm-hmm. Those, are, to me, slightly more impressive. Yeah. And it's and also, it's... off a spinner, it's all over very quickly, isn't it? <laughs> the ball doesn't have to travel very far. Yeah, but it's also just that, like you say, the instinctive catches.
0: those kind of slip catches. I mean, Strauss's one is just instinct as well, and it's absolutely incredible. But like you say, this it somehow seems more impressive when they do have a bit more time to think about it because Jordan sticking his hand up like that—that's just. Reactions, isn't it? He might as well be a fish or something. You know, it's just, it's not a conscious decision. Um, but it
1: was, it was a good catch nonetheless. No, it was, it was, a, it was, an, a, it was an amazing catch. But it, I agree, yeah.
0: it's probably not in the top ten catches. I don't, I just,
1: uh, yeah, I don't know what Agni. I think Agni probably had too many round punches. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Other, aside from that catch, Jordan didn't necessarily have the the best of games. He, he bowled well, but he just didn't necessarily get the the rewards. And the same thing with Stokes. And they're they're both good bowlers in and of themselves, but. You know, perhaps not offering much different to the England attack, which makes the whole attack quite one-dimensional. What, there, there's no one, there's no left-arm seamer. There's no, there's no one like Steve Finn who can, you know, run in and extract a bit of life from a dead pitch. Steve Finn can't do that at the moment either. <laughs> but that's that's the the type of bowler that England are, are missing. That they would like. Stuart Broad should be able to do that, but at the moment I don't know, I'm a bit worried about Stuart Broad. He's he's bowling in the 70s mile per hour. His batting's completely gone. Just looks a bit short of test standard mm. right now. While we're on the subject of the bowlers, uh, I don't know if you picked up on the story that James Anderson broke the record to become England's leading wicket-taker, but he did. He went past Ian Botham's tally of 383 wickets uh, and in the process detonated the Sky commentary box uh, with excitement. Did you find it surprising just how big a deal was
1: made of it? Uh... Or is it that big a deal? No, I mean, someone made quite a point that, uh, on Twitter that... Was it me? I don't, I don't think it was. <laughs> no, I don't know. No, just, you know, it was a slightly disappointing end to the game from from an England perspective. Uh, but essentially, the white you know, the, the result was essentially whitewashed, wasn't it, afterwards? There was just no mention of the result. <laughs> All anyone was caring about on Sky was the uh, uh, was the the Anderson record. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess it is a pretty big deal, isn't it? It's, you know, it's been a while. Both of them's had that record for a while. It's one of two records that really the two most important records like probably leading run scorer most hundreds I guess you could say would be up there as well and leading wicket taker and most capped I suppose so four it's one of the four top records that you can have yeah, in no, English it, cricket so yeah I think I think it is a pretty big deal it's clearly a, a, a huge achievement yeah because a, a lot of bowlers
0: have played cricket for England so <laughs> yes in this era they play a lot more test matches and thus have more opportunity Um, But even so, it's it's a tremendous achievement for Anderson. But it does frustrate me a bit that it dominates the narrative to that extent. Like you say, that you if you haven't been watching the game, you don't even know what the result was because the story is that Anderson's broken the record. Yeah. You know, and I I could understand it if I could could understand the fuss if it was a world record. Like the England record is notable, but actually Jimmy Anderson is not even halfway to the world record. All right, Murley is a bit of a freak of nature, but Murley has eight hundred. Anderson isn't even at 400, so he's a long, long way from uh, a a record that would actually stop people in their tracks. I think, yeah, that should uh, actually,
1: yeah, and I, yeah, I completely agree. There's a lot of fantastic bowlers, you know, in the list above him, but equally, I mean, there's some unbelievable names below. You know, he's past Wacky Eunice, Imran Khan, Alan Donald the list goes on William literally, <laughs> the, list, the list literally goes on William uh, Botham being another one William Botham is one of them but yeah no, I, I take your point and actually one thing that's like, I don't know people kind of don't get the message there like whenever you heard anyone talking about Jim Anderson you know in the last few days or in the build up to this test match and talking about the record you know everyone said oh you know Jimmy doesn't Jimmy doesn't want the limelight. Jimmy doesn't, you know, doesn't really care about the record. It's not, you know, he just wants to get it out of the way with. Yeah, and everyone else is like just going mental. It's like <laughs> yeah. I don't know, kind of respect the wishes of the, you know, yeah, just take your cues from a bit more from the, him. I think.
0: Well, yeah, it would be the same people that would make that point. Like NASA
1: would yeah. then, <laughs> like, continue to bring it up. No, I think it's cool. I think it, it's you know, it's a, a fitting moment, isn't it, to reflect. You know, hopefully Anderson's got a a couple more years, but a fitting moment to reflect on his career. Yeah, pretty amazing, really, that he's got to 100 tests and and has achieved this record. You know, he was written off a couple of times. You know, he was pretty young, wasn't he, when he started. His action... Very young, yeah. ...has been the subject to, uh, you know, a lot of discussion at various times.
0: Yeah, and he's been, behind Dale Stane, probably the best scene bowler in the world for a number of years now. And it's... Yeah, it, like I say, it, it's clearly an amazing achievement. It just frustrates me a bit that it's it's so you know it's such a big deal. But having said that, you know it's a bit strange because I do feel like that. I feel like I'll stop focusing on the statistics, concentrate on the game. But actually, in the long run, you forget about the game, don't you? And it's the, the statistics are the thing that survive. Unless it's an absolutely extraordinary game. Like in in fifteen years' time, will I remember much or anything about this Antigua Test match? Probably not but I will re- know that Jimmy Anderson is the leading test wicket-taker for England, unless someone has gone past him in the, in the interim. So to a certain extent, people are right in that the statistics are the, the thing that matter more. But then that's kind of sad in a way,
1: isn't it? Because what's the point of all this?
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Well, that's a question that I ask coming to do this podcast well, quite it, often. Know, but
1: I, Like a, a recent example, like I'm not exactly an expert about horse racing at all. Okay. Uh you know, and everyone like hails AP McCoy as being like, you know, the greatest jockey or whatever. Uh he's got the most got million wins or something. Uh and then they're like, Yeah, you know, he just he'll just go to like some dodgy meeting in you know the middle of nowhere on a Tuesday and he'll ride ten races. Uh but then whenever I watch the big races, he's never there like he always just fa- he never wins. So I don't really understand. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah, you know, there's ways to manipulate the kind mm. of yeah, you know, there's, there's ways to interpret statistics any way you like, aren't there? You know, lies, damn lies, and statistics. Yeah, I mean, did you see this BBC is? thing? England's best ever bowler. I didn't actually read it, though. No, I didn't read it. So I got as far as the graphic, and I just thought, I just, just sounded like nonsense to me. Do you find now that you don't actually read <laughs> No, this articles. is the thing that people do.
0: I look at <laughs> BBC News, I look at the homepage, and I feel like I'm up
1: to date. I feel like I'm, I've got my finger on the pulse. But actually, I'm not reading anything. I'm just looking at the headlines. There was some research done, though, that yeah, people don't, you know... Will just say they've read an article, even though they've, like, they've read like 10 words. Which just means I'm dimly aware of everything <laughs> yeah. that's going on, but I don't actually have any real knowledge about it. So, the premise of this piece is the question who is England's best ever bowler in Test cricket? Uh, and I, don't, I couldn't want to work out how they've done it. Oh, <laughs> well, no, it's actually quite simple. They've made it out really. <laughs>
0: well, once you read so it. So, a batsman
1: yeah. with an average of 55 or more is worth 11 points. Between 50 and 55, 10 points, and so on, down to a batsman with a career average of naught to 5 with only worth only one point. Uh, so those numerical ratings were added up and divided by the number of wickets taken. Do you know who came out on top? Go on. Matthew Hoggard. Really? Yeah. Then number two, James Anderson. Number three, Stuart Broad. Number four, Stuart, uh, Graham Swan. But, All very recent. Exactly. That doesn't make any... St- that just doesn't stack up, does it? Because that just doesn't make it... That's implausible. That is really surprising, yeah. That's really surprising. Uh, and then... Then it goes uh, Underwood, Bedser, Willis, Botham, Truman, Statham. So there you go. Jason. (laughs) Yeah, Jason. But yeah, there you go. Matthew Hoggard, England's best ever Test bowler. I reckon
0: Jason Statham could do a good bit of sledging. I'm going to knock your block off, son. The big question, Tone, is why are we not in Antigua? It's a great question. Or or Grenada. Now, if we were in Antigua now, (laughs) we'd have missed the boat slightly. But why are we
1: not in the Caribbean? Money, time off work. These are all good reasons, yeah. But organization. <laughs> we did talk about it, didn't we? We did talk. Yeah, it was, it was cheap talk, <laughs> not it? it? Proved to be cheap. Talk is much cheaper than flights. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's like yeah. I'd just love to be. I'd love to be there. I want to go
0: to the Caribbean to see Test cricket again before I die. Yeah. It's my. It's number one on my bucket list. It's the one and only thing on my bucket list because otherwise I feel like I've achieved everything I want to. My... <laughs> uh, we did go, didn't we? In 2004, we went yeah. to that Barbados test uh, and saw Hoggard take his hat-trick, me, you, and a couple of other
1: lads. Yeah. Great times. Great, great times. I mean, it's no better holiday, is there, really, than that? Oh, it's brilliant. The best thing about it was that England wrapped up the victory inside three
0: days, so we got extra extra time on the beach. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. It's all about balance, isn't it? You, can't, <laughs> you don't want to be sat watching five days of test cricket in a seven-day holiday. <laughs> Like, you know realistically yeah. three is about right yeah. and it was a really exciting three days
0: oh it was absolutely like because uh, we went with the london correspondent turned new york correspondent gordon mccrae he was one he was one of the other one of the two other lads and uh, he said to me not that long ago because i think we went for 10 days and he said those 10 days are probably 10 of the 15 best days of my life wow.
1: that makes me a bit emotional uh,
0: it does it's a bit emotional again it's all
1: getting very emotional it is uh, no good times because well, yeah still time I mean the, definitely go back yeah well I, before I, Westerns cricket folds mate, let's, let's say it
0: now the next time England are
1: in the Caribbean we're gonna go thing is I also want to go to Ashes series Down Under yeah. also definitely go watch some cricket in New Zealand mm-hmm. India South Africa I want to watch some Sri IPL Lanka. now I've decided okay uh, yeah Sri Lanka as well yeah. yeah
0: again money is a thing isn't it yeah. If we, uh, if we can sell a few of these t-shirts, though to <laughs> no. cafepress.co.uk slash cricket show.
1: Yeah, I mean, have you watched much IPL? You haven't got
0: Sky, have you at the moment? Uh, I've got Sky, but I haven't watched any IPL. I don't know why I answered that like a robot. I, I think two I've got things. Sky, but I haven't got
1: watched IPL. <laughs> two things have kind of piqued my interest about the IPL this year. One is it's on Sky, so it seems more legitimate. <laughs> Isn't that like... No, I'm not, realistically, I'm not going to watch anything on ITV4. Like, just, just like nothing of any consequence could ever happen on ITV4. And yeah. that's the sad reality. Like... Even if the Football World Cup or, you know, the general election coverage was hosted on ITV4, I probably wouldn't watch it.
0: Well, yeah, it's just like, just as the IPL
1: game is about to finish, coming up next, Secret Diary of a Cool Girl. But now, more IPL. <laughs> So now it's on Sky, it just seems a bit more, yeah, it's a bit more important, uh, which is a bit sad, isn't it? It's a bit <laughs> sad indictment of Sky's grip on sports. Well, and your mindset,
0: yeah. your idiot
1: mindset. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and also, the Rajasthan Royals are five for five and they're top of the table. Well, this is Four t- points clear.
0: The team you support. <laughs> I hate to
1: be a complete glory hunter. <laughs> having paid little attention, but I just who knew that we were this good?
0: Well, yeah, it was depressingly five years ago we really got into the IPL on this show, didn't we? And we uh, we drew teams out of a hat, and you got Rajasthan Royals, and I got Kings XI Punjab. And ever since then, they've been both teams have been absolutely awful. Uh, But yeah, this year Rajasthan dominating.
1: Yeah, which is quite surprising. But I mean, when you look at the, you know, so yesterday, what I watched uh, a fair chunk of RCB versus Mumbai. Uh, and I mean, when you look at the like, Royal Challengers team, Coley, DeVilliers Gale as your kind of gun batsman is fairly absurd, isn't it? Uh, Mitchell Stark as well there. But the Rajasthan team, you know, Stuart Binney is there. Too good. So I mean, they like, how, how are we doing it? I don't know. <laughs> Here comes the we. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, our best player, Ajinka uh, Rahani, top scorer in the tournament so far. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's been pretty enjoyable. I think I, I spoke about McCullum's innings last week. Uh, De Villiers looked like he was going to tee off yesterday. I think he was, got about 41 from 10 and then hold out, which is a bit of a shame because that could have been something special, but it wasn't.
0: Yeah, I did see that there was a graphic of RCB strike rates against Malinga. No one else was above 50 and De Villiers was 400.
1: <laughs> yeah. But it's been pretty entertaining. I would get into
0: it, like you. The fact it's on Sky somehow means that I probably would watch more of it, just because the only thing I watch on TV really is Sky Sports. So I'm kind of I live on those channels a bit more, so So you 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 notice it's on more.
1: I was watching the Newcastle game yesterday. You know, when it finished, flicked over to the. up channels, there's the IPL, boom, yeah. ready to go. Whereas, yeah, I mean, it was flying very much under the radar. If, I mean, if the IPL bosses knew, or well, presumably they did know, that it was on ITV4, they'd have been fuming, surely. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like the antithesis of what the IPL is all about. Yeah, it's in between repeats of Corey. Yeah, it's just not,
0: <laughs> it's not what you want. But yeah, so I probably I would get into it. It's just, would and will get into it because although the IPL isn't my favourite thing, cricket is better than no cricket. So I will watch it when it's on. I've just had no time. Just got no time at the moment, so I'm too busy. Yeah, that's fair enough. Too busy watching The Good Wife on Netflix. (laughs)
1: Uh, I think my stance is slightly softening on the IPL. But we did.
0: We really did get into it.
1: Yeah. Five years ago, we actually. I watched so many matches,
0: and I really enjoyed it. It's just that then the following season, I was like, "Oh, this is the
1: same thing." I find I don't really care. I don't care enough. Well, I think it it suffers. Schedule. I you know, exactly see what they do, and I'd love to be in India while it's on, and just to kind of get a sense of you know how people follow it. But it's this whole thing of like a game or two games a day. It makes it difficult to follow because everyone's playing at different times. It, it, I don't know. It's not. You yeah. Know, well what, it just... what you want is you know a few. If it, even if it's just two days a week, and you had. You know, half the games on one day, half the games on the other side at the same time. It would just makes slightly more sense. Yeah,
0: well, because like busy professionals like you and me, we can't be expected to pay attention. Well, like you're, you're eventually going to stop paying attention for a couple of days. And then so many matches have happened that it's all changed. And it's also it's the same problem as the World Cup. It
1: just goes on yeah. far too long. And it they makes hard, yeah, it makes hard matches. to summarize. Uh, yeah. I need to put us in charge. Did you see the comments about the World Cup? from the ICC board and their meeting. Enlighten me. You see this? Uh, So they had had their quarterly meeting in which they kind of reviewed the World Cup. I let the figures do the talking here. Uh, The ICC chairman, Mr... His name I can never pronounce. Mr. Srinivasan uh, called it the most popular in history, which is a... Slightly dubious accolade, isn't it? Uh, so, and then went back this up by saying that the uh, 2015 World Cup set a new attendance record 1.1 million spectators, with 10 matches attended by crowds in excess of 40,000 and over 94,000 attended the final. It was broadcast by 44 licensees in seven languages across 220 territories and covered in the host countries by 1,210 rights-holding media and 1,385 non-rights-holding media. The event website attracted 36.1 million uniques, uh, accumulating 304 million page views and the official app attracted 4.51 million downloads, making it the number one ranked sports app in 48 countries. I think that's a success. By all measures, this (laughs) World Cup was amazing. But was it any good? Exactly. So there you go.
0: Much like the trailer for the new Star Wars movie, this episode of the World Cricket Show has been a confusing, rootless jumble of sounds, images and Harrison Ford, but has still managed to be the most exciting thing that's ever happened. (laughs) Nonetheless, it's time to bring it to an end. Have you seen this new Star Wars trailer, Tony? Yeah.
1: Yeah, emotional. Are we talking about the Star Wars Battlefront trailer? (laughs) I'm not. The the video game, no. Yeah, because that looks awesome, by the way. I actually haven't seen that. Make sure you watch it. I will definitely be getting a PS4 to play that. Uh I'll probably i probably play about like three hours of it and then forget. Yeah, exactly. that you could have spent that on a flight to the Caribbean. Yeah, exactly. But uh yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? It's bloody brilliant. Just the the first shot of the Star Destroyer crashed.
0: Yeah, that is that that's pretty amazing, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Kind of was... reminiscent of the shot in Star Trek, isn't it? The uh, uh same dude, isn't it? J. J. Abrams. Mm. Uh of, is it right, the start of the, the his Star Trek reboot where Kind of just buzzing along whatever in his car, and then in the background, there's the enterprises kind of being built. Yeah. It's that kind of scale. It's true, isn't actually, it? Yeah, so yeah, there you go. Awesome. You can tell you did film studies for A level, can't you? Look at that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just, you know I forgot as well is how bloody good the music is, Star Wars music. Oh, Brilliant. It's very true, yeah. Brilliant.
0: Well, in the first teaser trailer, the bit where the Millennium Falcon appears and it goes, it just like jumps to my feet. Yes! It's so good. But I'm a bit worried because it looks amazing and I'm so excited and I'm just, you know, I want to go to bed now and wake up in December so I can watch it. But the thing to remember is that the Revenge of the Sith trailer looked it made that movie look like it was going to blow everyone's minds. I watched that trailer about 15 times. I don't remember the trailer for that. Watch the Revenge of the Sith trailer and tell me you're not excited to see that movie and then it turned out to be awful. Like it's kind of it's quite easy to make a
1: a movie look good in a trailer especially when you've got just a images billion dollars to spend on yeah, making things look good Yeah, I know, I know what you mean because in the trailer reveals you know, it doesn't need a plot does it yeah. and it also doesn't require any acting really
0: exactly you just pluck out a load of cool looking images set it to the Star Wars music it can't not look amazing <laughs>
1: yeah this is true
0: but the thing, is, the thing that's exciting about this is that the original actors are in it I wouldn't be half as excited if it was not them not because I'm like that, you know. I'm not that big a fan of Mark Hamill's acting, but it's just it feels more legitimate, doesn't it? It yeah. feels like it feels more connected
1: to. It's the like a film movies. podcast though. <laughs> Uh I also like the fact that that little ro- like rolling droid thing yeah. is actually a, a real thing and not it's not CGI. Yeah, that's really so cool. all this kind of real, yeah. There you go. Anyway, more oh, very the, exciting. More have world have film you seen podcast. the Matthew Mo- Matthew no, reaction? Yeah, I meant to watch this. So so I'll watch it out there. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's so good. This Star Wars movie will have been worth it (laughs) just for that. If listeners haven't seen it, look up Matthew McConaughey Reacts Star Wars trailer. So funny. Oh, Well, anyway, uh, have you had fun tonight? I have.
1: I've really enjoyed myself, yeah.
0: I did bring a couple of side notes along, listeners might remember at the top of the show. I teased them. I gave you a teaser trailer of the side notes. But we've gone a bit long, so I have to roll them over to next week. It's a rollover, (laughs) uh, so stay excited. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back in a week's time to talk about the Grenada Test Match. Between now and then, if you'd like the World Cricket Show, why not like us on Facebook? Facebook.com slash Cricket Show. You can follow us on Twitter, at Cricket Show. Uh, I tweet during the cricket when I'm watching it, so, you know, can you afford not to follow us? You can also follow Tony, at Tony Cover, and follow my personal account, which is at Adam one 12 Send us an email, Show at gmail.com. I was about to tell you where you can listen to the show, but the fact that you're listening to the show implies that you know how to listen to the show. Uh, but we are—if you—if you aren't aware—we are also available on Stitcher uh, and TuneIn Radio. And just to say, we do appreciate reviews there and on iTunes because it does help to bring new listeners to the show. Uh, and yeah, tone merch. What's happening with the merch? It's flying off the shelves. CafePress.co.uk/slash Cricket Show. Uh, we've Got brand new World Creek Show merch: t-shirts, hoodies, jumpers, boxer shorts. Boxer shorts. I really?
1: Mugs. Let's just push the t-shirts first of all. Well, they're all available. Yeah, true. <laughs> but, I mean, get the t-shirt. That's the kind of gateway merch, isn't it? And then think about. Yeah, how you could develop your relationship <laughs> with the trip. podcast. Yeah, exactly. Well, I've got the T-shirt. There's no to point inside say... of the boxers, is it? Because <laughs> no, it's not really great promotion for us. Yeah, but then people might you're encouraging
0: people to leave the house wearing just a World Creature Show T-shirt. <laughs> They've got to get their boxer shorts as well, Tane. Otherwise, they're going to be getting a call from the police. Yeah. I, I've got a T-shirt, and I've got to say, it looks really good. It's a good T-shirt. So there you go. If that doesn't sell it. What's out, the build what quality like? What's yeah, the, it's really good. It's nice. Really, it got a nice really feel. really strong, yeah. If you're concerned that it won't be good build quality, don't be. It's brilliant. Excellent. This, yeah, <laughs> that's, good. That's my get, review. That's put my, that's
1: put my concerns <laughs> to ease. That's my review
0: of our merch. Uh, and the other thing, if you're doing your shopping on Amazon, uh, then a really good way of supporting the show is to go to our website, which is cricketshow.net. And following the link there to Amazon because then anything you buy, it doesn't cost you even one penny extra. Uh, But we get a little bit of the kickback. Uh, So yeah, if you like what we do here, help to support us. But that's it, I think. Uh, I need to go home and have some dinner. So it's always an awkward time coming to do this podcast thing because do you eat before? Do you eat after? What do you do? I ate before. What did
1: you have? I had some kind of pan-fried chicken ensemble. A few pan-fried potatoes, I do like to pan-fry things. <laughs> it's kind of my go-to. Some pan-fried chicken on a bed of
0: pan-fried potatoes. Yeah.
1: Drizzled with some pan-fried... Well, I don't know, what vegetable would you have? I didn't have any vegetables, just chicken and potato. Mm. So like, yeah. How much veg do you eat? Uh, a little bit. For potatoes, really. You did once and say chicken. that you could count the number of apples you've ever eaten <laughs> yeah, on one hand. Yeah, that's probably still true. That's, that's not good, I just don't like apples, really. They're horrible. Bananas? Mm, nah, maybe we could, this could carry on for quite a while. Well, yeah, it could, and it will. Pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to go
0: silent now. Oranges. My <laughs> all right, that's all from us. Stay in school, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye for now. Cherry.
1: It happens to us all. It to us all. Each day, each yeah, yeah. smell Bye.